Welcome to episode 49 of Expanding Beyond. How are you doing, Monica? Uh, I had better weeks, uh, but on the other hand, I'm almost there with to the holidays. So mm -hmm. I think life is evening out. <laughs> yeah, having better weeks sounds... I don't want to spoil my topic for today. So. Sounds good, yeah. I mean, I was <laughs> sick last week, so that wasn't super great. On the yeah. other hand, I finally reread Lord of the Rings, and now I remember why it's such a great book. You reread it? Yes. And The Hobbit. Damn it. And it's just, compared to other fantasy, it's just, it's just great. Yeah. Challenge accepted. <laughs> As I said, I have holidays in a bit. So. Mm, exactly. And now I'm on to other fantasy and it's like, hmm, I don't know. Maybe I, don't, I should have done it the other the way same, around. Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really difficult to find something as good as some of those masterpieces. Yeah. I feel you. Yeah, the earth, earth, sea stuff that was uh, good, I guess. Yeah. Because it also was different. It wasn't like, hey, here's this hero and he doesn't know and stuff is happening. And in the end, good wins against evil, which is mm. basically anything, even Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> yeah. But I think we ha we talked about that before. I sort yes. of remember. <laughs> so maybe, or it was so far in the past. It's for it our matter. new audience. For our new audience. Yes. <laughs> we actually have downloads, even though we haven't released stuff recently, which is amazing. So thank you for your trust in uh, our ramblings. Uh, we appreciate that a lot. <laughs> and for those of you that are spreading the word, keep doing that. And thank you again. Yeah, please. <laughs> All right. So uh, maybe from my side, uh, mm -hmm. the first topic, a thing I hadn't talked about because um, I didn't know how I should or, to, or or talk about it or if I should even, but now I found a nice angle to <laughs> present this. Nice. <laughs> Is that my company uh, got acquired recently. Da -da -da -da. And it's kind of interesting to see the transition right so this mm -hmm. uh, we got we were a, a company in the hundreds and now we are in a company that's basically an order of magnitude bigger whoa um so we will see how that plays out uh, i don't know um it's a bit early right now we are doing the first steps of basically getting integrated and obviously the first thing is to Uh, move the emails over. Uh, we at my company use uh, all the Microsoft stuff, so Outlook and wherever that's hosted and everything that goes along with it. And the other company does too, <laughs> but it still was quite a, a, a interesting path to getting everything moved over, right? So now we have a new email address at the new company. So that kind of works. All the history also got moved over and because it's microsoft all the calendar entries go along with the emails right okay so they got basically copied over as well so that's kind of worked for the emails it, it it sort of was okay ish um for the calendars it started to break down because in general you have a meeting with people right not on your own unless you're you and you use your calendar for scheduling mm -hmm. <laughs> your blocks. Yes. But then those invitees don't exist anymore, right? Because it was the old email address. Yeah. So now everyone has a copy of the meeting in their calendar. 
Interesting. So when one person cancels it, it doesn't cancel it for the rest <laughs> anymore. Uh -uh, so you have boy. to say in the daily or in the chat, you have to say, but we are moving that meeting, I don't know, one hour later and everyone needs to remember to move their meeting or, or stuff like that. That makes no sense. <laughs> it, 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 on the surface, it doesn't technically, it sort of does, but it's kind of, yeah, no. but still, yeah. I mean, I mean, that, that was sort of just their smaller evil. Hey, let's start out with the emails and calendar and let's mm -hmm. get that. And the big one, Microsoft Teams, let's do that separately because it's going to be difficult, right? Okay. So now we have two teams. One is with a new company. That's where when you schedule a new meeting, uh, then that's going to use the new teams. And when you have one of the old uh, meetings, then that still points to the existing meeting in the old teams <laughs> so you have to know is it an old <laughs> meeting or a new meeting um to see if you can which teams you are supposed to use plus the teams client the desktop app only allows you to one use one account so you have to pick and choose mm. <laughs> sort of you have to say hmm where would i need to do some screen sharing because you can use teams in the browser but then there's no screen sharing <laughs> so oh it's, boy it's kind of it's kind of a mess, but hopefully, I don't know, maybe this year we will sort of get over it and have that all combined as well. <laughs> I hope so, because it looks like, I mean, so rationally, this looks like a transition period and yeah, that's normal exactly. to have all yeah. this hiccups and, and issues and, and whatnot. But at the same time, such pain. <laughs> um. I mean, to me, it's also something that reflects clearly one thing that people don't often dismiss. Uh, we're talking about, you know, like uh, changing teams and swarming and blah, blah. People need time to transition to the new system, to the new tools, to the new uh, agreements. Mm -hmm. So that cost is still present, even if it's not calculated factored in in the cost of the acquisition or the team transition or or whatnot yeah that's that's a lot of side effects happening right certain processes need to be stopped until they've been reviewed by mm -hmm. the company that's acquired you ah. and that my might hiring might work differently there right so that's like stuff needs to be reviewed and then whatever is the fallout of that right Mm -hmm. So we'll have to see how that all works. But yeah, we are not even at the point where we talk about processes, right? I'm not okay. sure if, if that's even going to be standardized because this, this company has been buying other companies before. So I guess that's a plus. So we are not the first. Yes. So they know. <laughs> so in they, theory, they hopefully know. know how that all works out. And apparently the companies still sort of exist as separate entities and roughly do more or less do their own thing, right? It's not they get all integrated uh, really tightly so we'll see but that's mm -hmm. i guess something for next year then <laughs> yes this is going to be interesting to learn like to look at again a couple of months yeah i never really had that kind of experience because if i recall correctly i mean it depends how you do it but Fredex was also almost completely acquired by an investment fund at some point, the, the very first round. And I wonder if a pure acquisition looks like what I experienced. We were assured that we could keep 
things running as they were. And they kept their words, uh, their word until now. Like I, mm -hmm. I never felt like there was something different. But I guess, I mean, the stage is different. The field is different. Uh, also, the company or the, the, the fund purchasing us was very different than, than what you uh, Yeah, what for you us, have. it's for us, it's sort of two steps, right? So the company that is acquiring us um, has been acquired by fund, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. This is where their money is coming from, also gotcha. for an acquisition by them. So we are sort of ah. by proxy acquired by the other one. So this is sort of a mm -hmm. combination of various companies under one umbrella. That, sort that of. explains then for sure the bigger part of the uh, difference in my experience and yours because uh, we were directly acquired by a fund so there was no intermediate company that yeah. would uh that does intermediate even make sense anyway intermediate yeah intermediary i don't know yeah it's English. that anything right? works <laughs> that but but it's sort of all those companies are roughly in the same area so and eventually they will get probably integrated more tightly we'll have to see but mm -hmm. for now as everyone says business as usual until maybe not we'll see <laughs> yeah but it looks it looks interesting at least you can observe it's also a first for me you can observe how that works and uh, what happens well best of luck hmm. uh, i think that these times with in one of my um, this community of mine that I that I hang out with, uh, they call it the downturn. Mm -hmm. It's a good place where to be. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah. There was an interesting observation from uh, my current boss about how um, the investing landscape looks like right now. Like companies that are early stage, uh, seed, Series A, that kind of stuff they still get the money because what I said when, when he said that, like they are cheap and it's true. I mean, is seed stage company is like what? Two millions, three millions, five, <laughs> but it's not 20 or 70 millions. Right. Ah, so it's a low cost investment, but they're also not supposed to show any returns soon in the next two years. Mm -hmm. uh, even four years sometimes. What what counts now, he said, is for companies at that stage is the vision. Mm -hmm. Like, is there potential? Because they are expected to weather the storm in a way and come up with product that is strong in the market like four years down the line. So definitely not now. So whatever numbers are out there at the moment are not really meaning anything but for companies that are series c series d and more that's when investors start to want to see results like okay i mean shouldn't they exactly right <laughs> like i would do the same like why is this not happening right it's my money in the end companies at that stage are having much more trouble if they are not already rock solid or in an industry that hasn't been blessed, air quotes, uh, by the pandemic growth. Because um, there mm. was this one article yesterday that I was reading that pointed out very interestingly, like it, it helped me framing what is happening a little bit better. We got drunk, the pandemic Kool-Aid, 
that things would be so completely different. Nobody yeah. would go back at doing what they were doing. Uh, this means online shopping. This means, um, you know, like calling your friends. How many of you are still calling your friends over video calls? I mean, have I ever? <laughs> I, I don't know about, like I did but yeah. a few times and, yeah. and it happened to me, but it's not as frequent as it was before. I think that reminds me, I need to call this friend, but, but it's not the same because and this was my comment today. We are humans. Humans are the way they are since millennia. It's not that easy to change those habits. Yeah. The habits of uh, hanging out in person with friends, the willingness to go out just and looking at things with your own eyes. You can have the most beautiful virtual tour of the Louvre is never going to be the same as being there and observing certain things and seeing the how gigantic a sculpture is, uh, the details of the flesh of the Nike, that, that kind of stuff. Look. Uh, so you guys are in a good position because your business is definitely not one of those that got inflated. With, no, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's sort of gut, um, sort of supply chain stuff exactly. is actually now even more on everyone's mind. Yeah. And it's gonna stay that way, I guess. And that is where the value of your company comes from, right? Like yeah, it was you actual help. value. <laughs> yeah. Plus, it was, it's, of course, not a consumer company, right? So I think those are harder anyway yes. than business to business. Um, yeah. So lucky you guys. And on your side, somewhat different. Speaking of my side, I quit. Ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> it was a tough decision because, I mean, there are some personal reasons I really felt like I needed time. And a friend of mine told me about this idea that she has, and probably she has read it somewhere. I don't know. But she calls it, uh, is it intermittent retirement or micro-retirement? Something like this. Basically, her idea is every couple of years, three years, whatever, you take a longer period of time off. Like at the very least a month. And it could be between jobs, but it could also be that you negotiate a sabbatical with your company, that kind of stuff. Because yes, you can, you can, if you plan it good, you can retire early, but the earliest you can retire, unless you make like, you know, like, okay, I have this huge idea. I'm the best investor out there. Like I make a shit ton of money and I inherit some, I guess, um, <laughs> you won't be, uh, retiring at 50. And do you even want to right? Right. So if you retire early, maybe you are retiring when you are like 62, 60 instead of 67, uh, that kind of stuff. And at that point in time, first of all, who knows if you're going there, if you're getting there. But second, I see it in my parents. Uh, we went for a very nice long weekend in Lisbon this summer. And they're not that old, but you can tell that they can't do the same things that I can and I don't want to lose that chance. So I kind of like bought in, in this idea of hers. And I was like, okay, I think it's also time uh, for me to take an actual break from work. I don't want to have something that I think about, oh, when I'm going to be back. No, I don't want to have that. 
So I'm just like, yeah, that's okay. And the other reason is that um, because also some, to some extent, the economic conditions, the world uh, as it is going right now, what I thought I would be able to do is not what I can do. And the way we are doing it, not exactly in line with what I would like to, the way I would like to work. That doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that it's different and I don't necessarily like that. So I was like, yeah, that's also fine. I can also learn something different somewhere else because one of the things I reflected on is that my main driver really is that of learning. And I'm still too young for not learning in a mindful way. But for doing that, I need to uh, I need to change uh, something in uh, the environment I'm surrounded um, by. And yeah. because I need time to learn. Uh, learn doesn't mean that you need to spend time reading books or doing courses necessarily. But a way to learn as a manager is that of reflecting uh, over time on what you have done. And I haven't had the chance so far to do it really the way I want to do it, like mindfully. So that's it. Um, All right. Also, fucking bee farm. Sorry, I shouldn't say this, but I, I hope nobody at bee farm is listening to me. But working in a regulated environment is, oh my God. I mean, you guys have <laughs> yes, we talked heard about me it, yeah. more than once talking about this. Um, so fundamentally, I don't like to be so out of control. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do there. And as a patient, as a, as a person that is um, using drugs and tools and uh, equipment, I am very grateful for the work they do as a producer. Damn you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so how, how much time do you have you take? Do you now take off between jobs? At the very least, two months. Mm, nice. Yes. Uh, that will carry me over Christmas, that it's my favorite time of the year. So I really want to enjoy that. And then a little bit more next year. And for now, it's two months, then let's see. Yeah, I mean, I have bought, we have bought a house close to Munich. So <laughs> there's no time, you can't... no take, no no months to take off right now for me. No. <laughs> a few more years, then maybe. Or we need to, I don't know, move somewhere into the woods in Sweden or something. And it's cheaper, maybe. Yeah. Would that be so bad? Uh, I mean, I we have seriously considered this, but with the kids, it would be nice for them to stay. But eventually, I, yeah. I actually want to end up in Sweden. That it wasn't really. Yes. Okay, we're we're digressing here, but why Sweden? Well, probably partly because I met my wife in Sweden. Ah. So we met in a. So she's Greek, and we learned both. We learned uh, Swedish. Uh, at university just for fun and we went there That's one so summer cool. for a intensive uh, summer school there for three weeks that's where we met and Sweden is just a very nice country anyway maybe a bit cold in winter and dark but okay but... really nice and yeah I don't know that's just an idea for the time being we're gonna stay put here I guess but not forever I guess no not forever I don't know I'm dreaming about spending my retirement somewhere warm so but i guess i'm also more from the south so that might explain it yeah 
I mean, for us, Greece would be an option, but um, not sure if you're getting old, if you really want to be in Greece. <laughs> it's sort of the downside there. Yes, yes, that's true. Um, so there's that. Uh, that's the big news. And it hasn't been that long since I did this, uh, <laughs> my last job. It's been a year and a half, basically, mm -hmm. until I'm, I'm out of the company officially. But... What is what was interesting uh, this past month uh, and a half was that of observing yet again the how different it can be doing the same job in environments, but especially with teams that are at a different level of maturity and that are supported differently from the company. One of the things that I thought about is that, or that I realized, is that my previous company was always sort of on a growth trajectory, but not that fast mm. for different reasons. Like uh, the, the big peak of online training was actually early and we were already well positioned in the German market. So there wasn't that much market to get. Uh, once I decided to uh, try something different, there were already a bunch of competitors, also very strong competitors like Peloton or, I mean, look at Nike. Nike is has a bunch of apps that you can use for free and they are really good. Mm -hmm. If you want to train, that's good stuff and it's for free. So it's kind of like a more saturated market than the one where um, my current company operates in. Uh, so also the, despite being at the same size, kind of, the companies are acting differently. My current company is much more aggressive in a way. It's still rough around the edges of uh, processes of also decision-making. You could see that there was a lot of ground to cover to make the company operate at the level that we should, if we want to really be successful. And this doesn't mean that the company cannot be successful in other ways. I mean, there's plenty of companies that at various degree of success. But I remember how I was able at Freeletics to spend time. We, we had a big team, right? I mean, a big team was kind of like eight, seven engineers. So I had the opportunity to get to the person that was substituting me to give them some mileage in managing others because we were hiring more junior people. Uh, we were onboarding. Um, we had already some more established processes. So I could, for example, one of the things I did was like, Marcus, the next guy come, that comes, that's yours. I, of course, I'm going to be his manager. And I'm going to have one-on-ones with them, but I'm going to have one-on-ones once every two weeks because I want you to be the one that onboards them, that checks on their health, on their growth. You set goals together and all that stuff. So I was able to grow the my substitute basically over time. And in this case, I couldn't because first of all, I have more holidays, so I cut short my notice periods. So there's that. Uh, but also because this time my boss really tried to keep me. So I wasn't really able to give the news to the team until the very last minute. So I had to postpone a lot of the work that I did for transitioning the team into the new phase. This means, you know, like 
distributing uh, duties, uh, doing my, one of my favorite activities, uh, the handoff, that for me means writing down and document the history of this person in this company and adding a summary of my feedback recommendations for the future, like where I see them going, caveats of working with them, if that ever happens, not really, but a record of their payroll, uh, well, or, or of their salary more than the payroll mm-hmm. and a bunch of other things. So basically this becomes the guide, the playbook that the new manager can pick up, start building on top of. So it's not simply something like, uh, okay, that's your new manager piece or a conversation because a conversation, I mean, for going that deep and collecting that, that much of information, you need to spend time talking together. And in this case, I did all the work up front, and it becomes this guide, as I said, this, yeah. this, uh, handbook for yeah. uh, helping both the person being transitioned to their new manager and uh, their new manager. Yeah, I remember doing that uh, yeah. when I basically stepped down as a manager. Good boy. I'm not sure if that was ever used by <laughs> the follow-up, but I did my part at least. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to do my part. I wanted to give... That's another thing that it's not necessarily a worry, but it's something that I want to be thoughtful, mindful about. We're going to have a performance review cycle in January and I'm not going to be here. And these people have worked with me for such a long time and they have done credible work. Like I couldn't be happier of anyone on the team. Um, I will miss you guys. If any one of you is listening to this, I'll miss you. And I want to make sure that they have the best chances to get whatever raise or promotion that I put in my recommendation for them to happen. <laughs> uh, and for that, I really need to give the ammo to the their new engineering managers so that they can advocate for, uh, for my people. And especially in a moment like what we just described, that it's in a tight spot, uh, economically speaking, I think it's important to uh, make sure that I mean, it's always important to back up your claims with facts, but (laughs) (laughs) so there is that. And for the team end off, I based part of it on uh, a suggestion from our uh, HR team that I was actually grateful for, like not not all things are bad necessarily coming from HR. Um, (laughs) This one was a recommendation of having uh, monthly check-ins on the development side, professional development uh, with the, with your reports. And they gave us a framework to use that I kind of like reworked a little bit, but um, basically what we did was having a first session to set the tone for this conversation that is not the regular one-on-one. It's a special one-on-one that we only dedicate to personal development, personal and professional. This doesn't mean that I don't give feedback in other chances, written format or Slack or one-to-ones, whenever. But this one is really dedicated to build on top of that feedback and see, are we heading in the right direction? And the second thing, the second session that I did was I asked people to do some homework and also myself. So we went together over the progression framework 
at the level they were. And we tried to identify the things that they are doing already well. And we had conversations over that because sometimes I had a perception that was different from theirs, positive or negative in the sense of like, I thought they weren't ready to do certain things, but then they came up with examples where it was like, no, no, I'm actually fulfilling this. Mm -hmm. And then we identified the things that they wanted to work on because this framework is not supposed to be a checklist. It describes, ideally, it should describe many aspects of what an engineer could be at a certain level. And we need to identify based on what they feel, what the engineer feels that they want to do, what are the best options there, the the best items to work on so that they can progress in the direction they want. So if I have someone that wants to progress into a technical um, uh, career, Yes, I would still need them to learn how to manage a project, for example, but it's less pressing than someone that wants to, um, at least at the scale we are, than someone that wants to go into engineering management, where our reality, an engineering manager is very much delivery manager. Um, So you need to make sure that you deliver stuff on time uh, and in the right sequence and that, you know, like the priorities are right and whatnot. So I wanted to calibrate it that way. Sounds more well thought out than what we do. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah. I mean, sometimes I wonder if I'm too much time (laughs) on these things. I do enjoy them, of course. That's why I do them uh, also. It gives me joy seeing people uh, discovering themselves and helping them find what they can do to be more successful than they are. I was a freelancer for a long time Mm. as well in the past. So I had to do that all on my own anyway. So maybe it's just something that I don't need support with. Maybe that's also part of it, right? Yeah. And, and sort of these days, the way I know, uh, I find out where I need to be, need to improve Mm -hmm. is actually when I uh, go on interviews. It's a very good point. Because I, I generally, it's, I think we talked about it before. It's just a, anything you can improve and learn anyway. And it's also then, especially if you get rejected, it's interesting to figure out why, Why? what the things are. And then you can decide if you actually want to work on that or say, Hey, no, that's fine. I'm not interested. No, I absolutely agree. And I find it interesting because it's something that I realized also lately, like I remember when I moved into engineering management for the first year, I was frantic. I wanted to have feedback from everyone at any step of the way. I was asking for feedback probably, I don't know, like once a month at the very least to different people, of course, but you know, and I was comparing notes and, uh, and this is uh, what people said three months ago. So maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. And now I do it far less like i i do ask every now and then uh what kind of feedback i could receive uh or i should receive but it's um i'm less hungry uh for it because over time i also learned how to self-assess sometimes i kick myself uh for doing things the wrong way or what i perceive are the wrong way but is the wrong way but it's still a lot of self-reflection. And this is one of the things that I love the most about this job. It made me self-reflective, but also 
acting on that self-reflection. At this point, I know what I should look at, even if sometimes still talking with people makes it, it's still lighting up some light bulb here and there. Uh, speaking of interviews, I was talking with a senior leader in uh, in my current company, and I was telling him about, you know, like, oh, maybe I should go back and look at some, at some more technical topics um, because, you know, I was rejected for this and that reason. And he was like, actually, I would disagree because probably you applied for the wrong level. You have had experience for the past three years in at a higher level of abstraction. So that role is not for you. That role should actually be the role you apply for is actually that of a layer above. Mm -hmm. And you know, like the gif of the guy that with the exploding head, that was like, oh my God, that is so <laughs> true. Um, so sometimes having that kind of feedback is really valuable. Because <laughs> you think you're doing something wrong, but it's not what you think the wrong mm. yeah, that's <laughs> part, true. right? So yeah, that was it. Yeah, as long as the surprises become less often, then yeah. <laughs> you're on the right track. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh yeah. So for the next episode, uh, I will probably talk a little bit about uh, how to give space to your substitute and how can you uh, select them. All right. But not tonight because it's going to take another 20 minutes. Otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we talked about less stuff than we planned because it's just taking longer always, which is yes. not bad. No, I think it's good. All right. So Monica, where can people find you? What's your Mastodon handle? <laughs> <laughs> True. So um, I haven't <laughs> I haven't disabled my account on Twitter, but it's now marked as private and I'm probably going to clean it up. I just wanted to make sure that my handle is my handle and nobody takes it over. But yes, I'm trying really hard not to interact with Twitter anymore because gestures and everything. So on Mastodon, you can find me on the server mastodon.online and uh, my handle is at Nirnaeth. We'll put it in the uh, in the show notes. I picked a, an instance that is generic because I have too many interests to be applying for it. <laughs> something more specific. Okay. I would be kicked out <laughs> immediately. But you can still find me on my website, monikajit.me. And I'm going to be opening some slots if you guys are interested in, uh, I don't know, if you want to share some thoughts, if you want to go over some issues that you're having. I'm preparing a, a website for booking my, um, my time. So I'll give that also in the links. Nice. What about you, Urban? So I still have a Twitter account. I <laughs> now these days use it as often as I did in the past. So almost never. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess you can find me here on the podcast mainly. <laughs> Maybe also on LinkedIn if necessary, but that's that's it. But if you want to get in touch, you can also email us. Uh, yes. at hosts at expandingbeyond.it. Unless you are a Chinese company trying to buy the domain, then we don't want to hear you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or just uh, expanding beyond as, as a trademark somewhere yes. in the world, right? You're free to do that, I guess. I don't know. Oh, yeah. 
So folks, uh, see you on uh, Mastodon soon enough. As soon as we found as we find an instance for podcasters, uh, we will also have an expanding beyond uh, account there. And uh, we are waiting for you. All right. See you next time. Bye bye. See you. Bye.